For the benefit of those who are less familiar with the idea of Mita, Mita comes from the word Mit, which means friendly, to be friendly. And along the way, um, the word became a little bit more uh, elevated. And then the word that was used to explain Mita became loving kindness, which is a really um, big word. It's, it's a very elevated sense. It becomes very elevated about what Mita is. But actually, Mita is something very simple. Mita is about friendliness. Mita is something... It's, the, the, the direct translation merely means friendliness. If I were to use the word friendliness, you know how to be friendly, right? You see somebody, a complete stranger, and you smile at the person, that's being friendly. Of course, you don't smile with a very angst smile. Like, uh, you know, your jaw got frozen into a certain position and then it got locked. That's not friendly. Friendly is when the sense of, um, it's a sense of giving, it's a sense of open-heartedness. You feel good, it's a, it's a very good feeling. If you can do meta well, it's a, it, you feel good. It's very positive sensation. Uh, and if, if meta comes on, if this friendliness comes on very strong, you feel that you feel like you own the world and you will smile jaw to jaw type oh no no jaw to jaw year to year type <laughs> how many jaws does one have year to year type of friendliness okay um most time because we are very caught up with ourselves we're very caught up with our own mind and our mind if we are not uh, careful the mind tends to be very disturbed a typical normal mind is either distracted, um, caught up with something, either distracted, so spin around, or get caught up with something, or fixated about some pain, or fixated about the self, or fixated about routines, you know, lots and lots of things to do, a lot of rising. So uh, the, the typical average mind is caught up in itself. And because it's caught up in itself, it can't quite look at the world and feel a sense of freedom, a sense of giving, a sense of no burden. And, and the point that I want to make is that for Meta to come on really strong, you, should, you, you will not have a sense of burden. As long as you have a sense of burden, either by yourself, by your responsibilities, by people, by your thoughts, by your views, by anything, as long as you feel that sense of burden, Meta will come out in spurts. Spit and spurt. So, that's about the Meta you have for the day. <laughs> and it's only because you smile, a baby smile at you. <laughs> but that's it, that's it. You use up your quota of meta for the day, really. It's, it can be that bad. And for people who are 
constantly angry because of some pettiness or constantly dis distracted because of responsibilities or uh, a lot of one thing, one thing. Even that baby cannot bring out the meta. What? Baby, what? Ah, you pull over the place. It will be that kind of instinct towards a baby. Okay? Now, meta can be cultivated. There are two types. Broadly, there are two types. There's the type that comes on very spontaneously. Very spontaneously. And there's a type where you, you actually cultivate, you work at it, you bring it up, and it becomes a tool for meditation. Okay? You can have the very spontaneous one that pops up by itself, and then you have the one where you work at it, bring it up consistently, and keep it there. It becomes a tool of meditation, for meditation. Okay? Today, we are going to talk about both types. We'll talk about the tool for meditation first, so that you all have a bit of a practice. And then when the meta comes out for all of you, then we can talk about the spontaneous kind. Okay? Now, tool of meditation. Traditionally, when people um, go for meditation, it is highly likely that they are taught this way. May I be well and happy. May my very good friend or someone I, I'm fond of be well and happy. May then, then it progresses a little bit more distant to a point where you're very gilat, very solid already. You, my enemy also well and happy. And that's where it spurts a bit. Right? And then you wonder why it doesn't quite work. After, you, after the part where may I be well and happy, after that it doesn't quite... There's, there's just a lot of words, law, huh? a lot of thoughts. Is that your experience? That's uh, words. A, a lot of words. Then, you, 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 then, then people will say that, hey, imagine that you're holding a baby, you know? I don't know why they always use baby, the poor baby. They always use the baby as the object. And then they say, you look at the baby and you think about all the goodwill and kindness. Actually, they ask you to do that because the assumption is that when, when the normal adult, and the assumption is you're normal, so the normal adult looking at a baby feels love, feels love towards the baby. Normal, because you can be abnormal and you don't like babies. Possible. Can, can. Cat, ah, you want cat? Also can. Ah. So cat. Okay, you want cat, puppy, kitten, anything you like is okay. Okay? As long as it is an object that is supposed to bring out for you. That's the traditional way they do it. And then they say, okay, now that you are familiar with this feeling of, of friendliness, uh, then you say, may I be well and happy, right? And then you start, may I be well, with my, may my mind be well and happy, and so on and so forth. Then it goes on. A lot of words. The Buddha's method, the one that he taught his monk how to bring up metta, is very different. And you, this, this was the way, uh, if you're not familiar with the story, how, how this thing came about, um, there was a story behind it. A group of monks decided that they wanted to go to the forest to meditate. And initially it was okay, but after a while the forest beings, the residents of the forest, the folks of the forest decided that they are they can't, they, all these monks are here, they are in the way, you know, then they got very annoyed with the monks, they started scaring the monks. So the monks all ah, ran away, <laughs> went back to Buddha. And then Buddha said, no, 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 no. If you can emit metta, then these beings 
will welcome you to be there. So then the Buddha taught them this method of meditation for them to be able to uh, share with these forest beings. And then the forest beings were so pleased, they left them alone, even help out. Sometimes they even help out the monks. So that was quite sweet, okay? Nice story, nice ending to a nice story. Okay, now, um, just look at the English. Ah, thank you. If you look at the English words, okay? I have my own, you all look up there. You look at that first line, just that first phrase. It says, one skill in good. The very first stanza says, one skill in good. What does it mean? Remember, every line counts. Huh? In the Buddha's teaching, every line counts. The very first phrase tells you that this is a, a method for meditator. And it is a practitioner who is already skilled, skilled in knowing what to do. He's a practicing monk. He's a practitioner of the Dhamma. And in his mind, he already knows the basics already. In fact, he may be beyond just pure basics. Which is why, if you are doing metta for the first time and you are not skilled in any sense of the word, you're going to, like a toddler. Now you tell the toddler, do the marathon, okay? Get up, get up, run, run. <laughs> the toddler is not going to run very far. And it's going to fall very often. So this method, it starts off telling you that you need to have some basic understanding of Buddhism and you are already somewhat into the practice. You must have the basic understanding and you're somewhat into the practice. So you know in your mind that there is something called good and something called bad and you want to do the good thing and you eventually became quite skilled at it. One, one skill in good implies that you have already some idea about what you have to do and you have learned to um, do what you know to be the right thing and you're quite good at it, okay? This is morality practice. The Pali word is actually Atakusalena Kus, Kusala Kusala it's skillful, it's wholesome. Kusalena. The Pali word, no need, no, you don't need to. I'll just tell you. Atakusalena is wholesome. Good in something, you are skilled in something wholesome. Good, okay? The second thing, the second phrase there says, wishing to attain that state of peace. So you first one says, you already know what you want to do and you're pretty good at it. And the second one says, I now want to realize Nibbana. This is a practitioner too. I want to realize Nibbana. What is that state of peace? It's you are working towards, walking towards Nibbana. That 
peace is that unconditioned peace. And because that is what you wish to arrive at, what you wish to realize, then you need to be able to do the following things. Okay? Before I continue, just let me explain. Uh, if you look at the Karanya Meta Sutta, there's actually three parts to it. There is one part where Buddha tells, told the monk how they should prepare their mind, get themselves ready, so that this mind can settle. The second part talks about when the mind has settled, then the metta comes out spontaneously. That's the second part. Then the third part says, and now that the metta is all out, what's the next stage of the development? So Karaniya Metta Sutta has three parts. It takes you from how to do it, to doing it, to then what's next. Okay, so right at this point, at this start point is how to do it. And you have to do some preparation for the mind. So how do you prepare the mind? You know, in the Dhamma, everything is about mind preparation, okay? Whether it's to see the Dhamma, to do a meditation properly, everything is about mind preparation. You don't get the, the correct mind preparation, can't work. So this is what the mind has to be able to arrive at. And there are two parts to it. The first one, it says, able, sakko, the Pali word is sakko, competent, skillful. Competent, skillful. Skillful in knowing the mind, skillful in taming the mind. It's a skill. Okay, um, we were talking about Metta Sutta and how to do Metta Meditation, okay? Now, uh, I got to the part where we say one should be able. Able meaning capable and having the skill to manage the mind. And as I was saying, if you look at the people around you, you can tell. Some people just don't have the skill. The question is whether or not you have it. But you can tell when some don't, and you can tell when some do. And over here, it is about someone who has to have the skill, the competence, the capability of being able to handle the mind. This is not your mundane competence, meaning to say, can I organize things? Am I able to do accounts properly? Not that type of competence. This is um, a certain mental agility and mental ability in understanding the mind and taming it. Okay? In terms of conduct, the person has to be honest, honest, and to know what's right and do what's right. Righteous, but righteous in himself. Not, not, it's not self-righteous. The difference between being righteous and self-righteous is that in self-righteous, you're telling somebody else, hey, you should be doing this, hey, you should be doing that, and you know, how come you're doing it like that? You're feeling very correct, and you're correcting another. That's being self-righteous. But being, doing the right thing, 
knowing for yourself what's right and wrong, and then restraining your own behavior, taming yourself, that's being righteous for yourself. So for instance, uh, example, um, taking what's not given, which is my favorite example, taking what's not given, right? If you are practicing correctly, you will understand that it is not about the rules which says you cannot steal. It is about the mind which tends towards being greedy. And you want the mind to restrain itself. Don't be so greedy. And if that's the case, then you know in your own practice, don't take. You didn't give me, I don't want. The mind will just let go. Don't hold it. Don't want it. Don't touch it. That's all. And there are no rules about these things. There's no, there are no rules that says you can't pick up $50 from the road. Finders keepers, ma. There are no rules that say you cannot steal my stapler. Ruler, pen, sharpener. There are no rules about that. But you wouldn't because in your practice, you are clear about the path and you will honour the path properly. And my thing just went to sleep again. So honesty and being righteous in the way that you practice. You restrain yourself. And then there is a whole lot of them, three of them, that deals with giving up the self. Obedient, gentle, humble. This is about giving up the self. Who is gentle? The person with a smaller ego tends to be the gentler person. The person whose ego cannot be kept within his skin is the one who will throw his weight all over the place, not so gentle. Yeah? The person who is obedient, typically he has already put his ego aside. Then can be obedient, ma? Why do you think parents have problems with kids who are not obedient? Because they're not obedient? No, la, because the ego can't take it. I'm your parent. What's it? Listen to me. Not listening. Uh, then that's fight really. That's where the fight will start. So it's about ego. And if you were to put aside your own self, you put aside your ego, people tell you things you're, you can hear. Okay? Humble is clearly about making the ego small. So, just from this one stanza, what does it tell you? Eh? Just from this one stanza, it tells you to let go of two things. It tells you to let go of yourself, and it tells you to let go of your wants, your cravings. Just from one stanza. And indeed, the way to practice metta meditation properly is if you can let go of the I, and you can let go of the clinging, craving, wanting. Remember? Metta is about giving. It's about loving. Cannot love if you love yourself more. And it goes on. The, st the second stanza. Content. Easy to support. Content and easy to support means in your mind, in your mind, there's not a lot of wants. If you have a lot of one, you are never contented. 
if you have a lot of needs, requirements, what we call high maintenance, then you clearly not easy to support, ma. Can you see that? So the practitioner must internalize that you want to practice metta meditation, you got to let go, you got to let things be. You don't have to have so many one thing. It's more about giving. Let's sweep in, sweep in, sweep in. Ah, yeah, chinchai, chinchai. It has to be like that. Okay. Few duties. Why few duties? You think that you know what? Uh, Duties is good. Duties means you are doing your, keep bearing your responsibility. When you have too many duties, your mind shakes a lot. When your mind shakes a lot, remember what I said? When there's nothing occupying the mind, the mind can settle into a giving state. When there's a lot of things occupying the mind, the mind can't see, can't settle. When the mind cannot settle, the mind can't give. So when you have a lot of responsibility, what you have is a lot of stress. And if you have a lot of stress, if you have a lot of stress, <coughs> how are you going to have meta? Meta comes out only when you feel like you own the world. So the world does its own merry thing. You know, you're not responsible for doing anything for the world. Well, just let it be. Whereas if you have half the time, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to check this, my checklist is very long. I am man, my checklist longer than, than me being able to cross out. The mind is too focused, too caught up. No meta, not possible. Okay? Living lightly is an, it's a further elaboration of the point about taking things easy. Taking things easy, okay? Look, some more. Now we are going into practice already. Control in senses. Discreet, not impudent, not impudent, unattached to families. These are practitioners. Unattached to families, essentially, uh, not about you per se, not about you. These are meditator monks. So Buddha was essentially telling them, don't go around mingling, mingling, gossiping, gossiping with families. Okay? It is not telling the lay person, Walk away. Lija, Lija. It, it, it's not bad. It's, it's nothing to do with that. Okay, it's this is about a practitioner, uh, the practitioner monks. So for the practitioner monks, don't get yourself caught up with conversations, the gossips of the lay people, and so on. Control incenses. I love this one because the last last week only, actually just last week. Yeah. Seeing, seeing. Last week, right? Yeah. That the practice requires the mind to get into a state where you see seeing. And when you see seeing, you are not drawn to the senses. You see something, it's just seeing. You do, you're not caught up with the object. So over here, he's making the same point. That you are controlled in the senses means you are see, seeing, hear, hearing. You are aware, you are mindful, you are not attached. You don't hold on. So sound is just sound. Sight is just sight. Smell comes and goes. Likewise for taste. Whatever that you taste, it comes and it goes. So you maintain a certain distance to the object of experience. 
If you can maintain that distance to the object of experience, you are not caught by the object, you don't get drawn into the object, you are not attached to the object. If you can maintain that distance to any sense object, then the mo that period when you maintain the distance, the mind is quiet and the mind is light and the mind is calm and you can have as much mita as you want. Okay? Um, discreet, not impudent. The mind is not caught up, talking, being committed to things. It stays independent, stays free. Don't get caught up. Okay? Third stanza. So strict, you wouldn't do anything wrong which the wise might censure. This is not public opinion. Huh? A very specific word here, the wise. Who are the wise? In the Buddha's context, the wise are the realized ones, the realized practitioner. So if the realized, basically, it's a case where an action that you undertake is going to get you, your mind, more caught up with loba, greed, dosa, anger, or moha. Any choices that you make that end up with more loba, more dosa, more moha, those choices would be considered ill advice not good choices, not skillful choices. Example, huh? suppose let's say um, you get into some conflict with people, okay? Some, some differences, parking lot, okay, parking lot conflict. Both of you fighting over one lot. If you're a practitioner, you will walk away. You have it, move on, okay? If you're a non-practitioner, you're going to just stand out there and refuse to budge. And if you're a really bad person, he goes off, you go step his car. <laughs> this is really mean, right? But if you're a practitioner, you just walk away. Your mind just let it go. It's okay, it doesn't matter. You move on. A wise choice is when you choose not to fight. You choose to let the anger go. You choose to forgive. You choose to forget. You choose to um, give as opposed to take. And this one is the slightest wrong. Slightest wrong, uh, forget about the word wrong. It's not right or wrong. It's, it's skill or not skill. It goes down to a level where, um, you know how our mind, uh, say for instance, you like ice cream, okay? And the mind keeps going back to ice cream. Every night I must eat ice cream. Every night I must eat ice cream. Yeah, they don't know how fat it is to eat ice cream. Every night I must eat. Okay? But it's very subtle. Huh? It's actually very subtle. It's just ice cream. There's nothing wrong. But then at some point you realise that even this holding on to the ice cream, right? The every nightly ice cream activity, even holding on to it is a form of attachment. You know that. You realise that. And then you begin to let it go. You begin to change your habit. You begin to stop. So 
in the past, it was seven times a week, twice a night. Along the way, it became once a week, and then maybe once a month, and then ah yeah, you see, and really no more. It stopped. The slightest means you are so aware of what's in your mind that even the slightest twitch of craving, you know. And you can choose to go along with that, or you can choose to stop it. And if your practice is very mature, you will choose to stop it. If your practice is still relatively young, then the temptation is to just give in. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying that it's a choice. The more mature your practice is, the more the stricter you are going to end up being. You're basically saying no lah, no need, no need, no need. Giving in to all these temptations is going to create all kinds of problems. There you go. But the more mature you are, the better you are handling that lah. But we're we're all very young, right? We're all very young. So when we're very young, then we don't handle it quite like that. Very fierce, like that. Like that feels like a parent caning, or yeah. So you don't you don't do it that fierce. You do it in a more gentler way. So you say, okay lah, I I don't take ice cream every night, twice a night lah. I will do it uh, once every day lah, every day, but once only lah, once only. And then over time, you start to let it go. You know, you do it slowly. Yeah? And when you do it slowly, it feels better. Some people, oh, mind you, yeah, some people can be very strict about themselves. It's not strict about others, uh, it's about yourself. So some people can be very strict about themselves. So they say, no, cut, it's cut. That's it. Some people like that one. Uh, I can see a few. Uh. Some people like that. Uh. <laughs> Most people not like that one. Uh. Most people is, let me, let me, Most people are like that. Okay? So if, if whatever, it's your choice. But the more mature you are as a practitioner, the more you are likely to be stricter. To a point, these are very mature practitioners. These are monks, they are very mature practitioners. So to a point where they will just cut whatever is not good for their practice that takes them further away from Nibbana, they will cut it. Okay? So they will not take the ice cream. Because the ice cream will cause the mind to crave. They just cut it. Then the rest of us, not so mature, still hankering after that poor ice cream. Only when you get to a point when you can see in your mind that your ego is trim, that the self is smaller. You can do that, huh, by the way. You make yourself tell yourself that this ego, it's very unhealthy. This sense of self and I and entitlement is very unhealthy. You keep telling yourself that, it will reach a point when the mind agrees with you. Yes, yes, the ego is very unhealthy. Some of you already like that. In fact, there are many of you here, sitting down here, who actually say the ego is very unhealthy. Yes? Yeah, yeah. I like you so much, Stephen. You're nodding so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But some, some of you are already like that. So because you are already like that, you, you, you understand exactly what I mean when I said the ego is unhealthy. The craving, some of you are already beginning to drop, let go, don't hold on so much to this, able to let be and so on, get anger come on, level mind, level mind. You really can see yourself changing. If you don't see yourself changing, 
we need special tuition classes for the meta. But if you see yourself already changing, if you see yourself with the ego shrunk, with the craving reduced, if you see yourself doing that already, the rest will come easier. And this is part two. This is where part two comes in. So to recap, part one is about letting go of the I, the mind. The I would be the self, the mind would be the craving, the wanting. Okay? Until you can get this part done, the meta can come out spontaneously. But the moment you can get this part done, every time you put the self aside, you can smile. Every time you let your responsibility down, you can smile. Every time you say, it's okay, I don't need this, you can smile. That's metta. That's the beginning of it. And that's what you need to recognize. When you give, when you don't hold on to something, how do you feel? That's a question. That's not a rhetorical question. When you, let, when you don't hold on to something, right? When you forgive, let's say you have a quarrel, okay? You feel that someone has done you wrong. And you, for whatever reason, that day, good day. The sun rose in the east, the feng shui was just right, your mind is in a giving state. At that moment, when you say, it's okay, I let it go. How does that make you feel? Exactly. Happy. You were skillful. You let go. At that point, if you look at your mind, you would see the, bud, the budding meta. At that point, when you look at your mind, right, that's the budding meta. That's the, that's the energy you want. That's the giving you want. You understand? At the point when you say, it's okay, I forgive, I let go. At the point, at the point, this one also works. At the point where you look at the Buddha and you feel the joy that arises, the gratitude that comes out, those are gratitude. The gratitude comes on with a very strong, good feeling. Yes, when you look at the Buddha, the Rupa, it's a very strong, good feeling. At that point, would you say, honestly, that you wish everyone in the world would share this joy with you? Yes? What do you think that was? Mita. That's metta. And that's how it is possible to do this part. May all beings be happy and secure. May all beings have happy minds. Because you feel so happy, when you bow in gratitude to the Buddha, the joy that comes up in you, that joy is metta. And you wish everyone else to share that joy. Do you wish it like that? Huh? Let me ask you. You can answer however you like. But would you share it like that? I wish everyone can share my job, but except uh, my enemy Joe <laughs> and my that bad enemy, my bad neighbor, Lin. Uh, they all cannot share this meta. You won't, right? Even at that moment, over joy, joy and Lin also can. Uh, they all can share my meta. Yes? How come like that? Because the joy is overwhelming. Okay? Because that joy is overwhelming. And it, because it's so strong, a good feeling, 
the moment you say if if you were to say except lin and jack and kai kai ah that's it die your meta <laughs> right instead what is left behind is what was that there was a moment back there when i felt good but now i don't feel good anymore because you had discriminatory mind the i came in the unforgiving come in the cannot let go come in what meta gone ready jin tian bu hui jia so gone ready whereas whereas if you can just look at that joy and say everyone share everyone share why is it that when you see everyone share it grows because when you say i'm prepared to share with everybody no restraint that's giving giving turns on the energy of joy so the more you give the more the joy explode that's how it goes this is condition i kept saying conditionality right condition this is how the energy grows so if you are able to feel the joy and then you don't have too many words cannot have so many words in fact you don't even have to have it in english and you don't have to have the long proper proper grammatically correct sentence you don't need that your thing your thing i also can i kid you not huh? i give i give give take whatever my joy to share no proper sentence no grammar no nothing you can even say it hokkien chua gya belkin chua whatever you like and it will just grow because the moment you try to think right okay what what did the buddha say may all beings 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 being being well and happy are finished with gone right? <laughs> stress stress not meta okay so over here you can don't have to memorize the words here the buddha was just making the point that you are not being discriminatory you don't discriminate whether i can see you or not whether you were born or are to be born that means you're still in the womb whether you are big small tall short your gross size irrelevant so whether you are gross your material your immaterial it doesn't matter as long as there is life force i will i i hope you will share my joy actually that's the way you should do it i am feeling so joyous i wish the whole world can share this joy and then you just blow in all you don't hold it you essentially just let it be and let it spin by itself it will grow by itself and it will spin it literally will spin by itself but if you have pain in your heart uh, not physical pain not cardiac problem <laughs> emotional angst if you have emotional angst then you need to put down the angst first okay you can't go and try and do meta meditation you can't <laughs> you can't do meta meditation you can't do meta meditation feeling burden aya my paper hasn't passed up yet feeling stress i promised this person i haven't delivered or my wife expect me to be back by 10:00 how to sit <laughs> <laughs> 
how to meta meta. Siap lah, siap lah. We are very problematic. So today you don't do meta. Today you do thirty two parts. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So the and some people when they are meditator, right? Meditator, and they are not doing it correctly. Uh, or they are very perplexed. They really, really, really want to see dharma, but they can't really see dharma. So they get very perplexed, right? So they go for a retreat. Uh, they try to do meta. It wouldn't work. They, it wouldn't work. The reason being that they are so perplexed. So all this energy of perplexity, craving, wanting, anger, restlessness, and all these energies will jam the meta. Okay. Then how then do you bring it up? Apart from the way that the Buddha explained it, you got to let the self go. You got to let the one thing go. For some people with a lot of faith, every time they bow before the Buddha, suddenly meta comes up big time. A lot of faith, a lot of gratitude, a lot of joy, dharma joy. When you experience dharma joy, when you feel very good, when you're going home tonight, you meta all over practice. Because when you feel joy, it's when you can give. Anybody ask for any favor of you when you are feeling in a good mood, you give right. Daddy, daddy, can I borrow your car? Take. <laughs> daddy, daddy, your car cannot work. Never mind. Meta, <laughs> ma, meta. <laughs> it's like that, okay. And so the whole entire stanza section there deals with put it in all direction, share it with everyone. No restraint, no definition, and then no names. Notice, ah, uh, it doesn't say John, Mary, and whatever. There's no and Kai Kai. <laughs> There's no name here. It has only form, gross, big, small. Because you know why no names. Here, there's no. May I be well and happy? May you be well and happy? May my best friend here be well and happy? It doesn't have that. Why is that not there? Because when your mind talks too much, the joy dissipates. So you cannot talk. You are supposed to concentrate on the joy. You feel it. You just say, "I hope everyone experiences this joy. May they all one day see Dhamma. Wow, the joy will blow." Okay. The kindness, the giving, the friendliness, the sharing will blow. It will grow. And there are no words there. And then it goes on. Ah, it is a way of explaining what this feeling is. It is selfless. It is selfless. Boundless heart, like a mother would do some sacrifices for their children. It's a way of explaining to the monk what it feels like. It is a selfless giving. There is no holding back. So for yourself, if you are practicing meta for the first time, and you want to deepen your uh, feel of it, just read it once. Just read it through once. Have an impression of the selflessness involved, and then you can go. No need to, as you sit, right, keep thinking about oh, I like a mother that gives love. <laughs> Cannot like you, the father, you got problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It is just a description of a selfless giving. That's all, 
and for you to bear that in mind. And when you cultivate it, the Buddha explaining to the people, to the to the monk, all around, unobstructed, no hatred, no resentment, keeping it pure. So because when you sit, right, sometimes after a while the energy kind of dissipate a bit. Assuming that you can raise it and bring it up, sometimes the energy can dissipate. So see whether you can continue to be selfless, lah. Selfless, giving, sharing, no anger, no hatred. Reminding yourself, it's okay. Let go. Let be. Okay. And look at the last two stanza. How to do it? Whether you are standing, walking, sitting, lying down, whenever awake, one should develop this mindfulness. Meta mindfulness. Okay, this is called divinely dwelling here. Meaning to say, if you develop the meta until it is so much a part of your instinct, so much a part of your instinct. That even when you are going about your normal day activities, daily life, the sense of that quiet joy, the sense of the giving, no holding, friendliness, comes on spontaneously, and you are aware of it. You have to be aware of it. Don't grin at the world and not know what you're doing. When you are happy, when you are feeling good, you. And in your mind, you say, "I'm feeling meta. I will share." Okay, you must be mindful of what you are doing. You know you're doing it. You know you are sharing meta. Share, give, be friendly, and you are aware of it. Daily activities, ah.、Uh? Some of you will find it easy. Some of you will find it very difficult. The ones who find it easy tend to be the ones who have less burden. It's what you would call in the, the Cantonese phrase "tin tit lot le tong pei kam." Exactly. With that kind of、uh, attitude and instinct and mindset, right? Then meta comes a lot easier. Then for the ones who spend their life worrying about people. Caring for people, worrying about themselves, being caught up in themselves, being very filled with angst and responsibility. I'm so important, you know. Ah, then the meta is not instinctive, doesn't come on strong. And when it doesn't come on, ask you to go and be mindful in daily activities of the you know mindful of meta in daily activities. Why? 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 You haven't even got to the first. Level, which is know what's meta. So here, in this stanza, he's describing people who already know what's meta, and he's telling them now that you know, now that you are familiar with it, then in your daily routine life, be mindful of it. Be mindful of it, and just just let it out. Observe the energy. That's all. It's not for you to Merry Christmas, Meta. 
Happy New Year, Mita. It's not that. It's just be mindful of the energy and then let it out. Let it be. And be aware of it. Why do you want to be aware of it? Because when your mind dwells in Mita, it's a concentrated mind. Okay? Remember what I said in the past, subsequently we'll go into that in, at, at, at a bit more length. When your mind is happy, it's peaceful, it can concentrate. When it can concentrate in that very quiet way, it can see Dhamma. That is why Metta is so powerful as a tool. Because when you have metta, it's a lot of joy. And imagine the whole day walking around with the joy that lodged in you. So you're very quiet, you're very mindful, you're very aware, you're just very happy. Try not to grin too much. Okay? And, and in that joy, the mind is concentrated, dhamma is everywhere. Literally, dhamma is everywhere. Divinely dwelling here. Okay? And because you are filled with that joy, filled with the quiet, the mind that is concentrated and calm, you go on to the next few lines. This is Nibbana, uh, well, uh, um, the streams and all, okay? Not falling into erroneous views, it merely means that you are now seeing Dhamma properly. Four Noble Truths, see the Four Noble Truths properly. Understanding how the Eightfold Path is to be walked, practiced, with into daily life. Understanding that, knowing how it's done. Looking around and all you see is anicca, impermanence. You can feel, know, any form of clinging is going to bring dukkha. And you know that all these are driving by itself in an ecosystem of mind and form, by itself. You're aware. All these, which I keep repeating again and again, is it, you know, this is Dhamma. All these conditions are Dhamma, part of the Dhamma understanding. So thus not falling into erroneous view is seeing Dhamma in daily life as it is. And your mind constantly is aware of Dhamma. It's the way it things are. It's the way things are. You accept it, you embrace it. And because there is wisdom, right? The first line is wisdom, Panya. There is then the practice. If you have wisdom, you must have practice. There is no such thing as saying, I have wisdom, but my practice is a bit singing. Cannot. Then your wisdom is also singing. I, uh, okay, singing means a bit crooked. Right? Crooked. Huh? No wisdom. No wisdom. Um, because having wisdom, having wisdom means, first and foremost, basic one, you understand karma. You know karma. You know how if you constantly give in to anger, your mind will be very disturbed, it will be very restless, it will not be able to stabilise. You know that. So how? Your conduct, 
you still want to go and whack people. No lah, you try to hold back lor. Try to control yourself lor. Restrain a bit lah. You try to do a bit of these things lah. So the conduct usually will run alongside the wisdom. The wiser you are, the better your behavior, your conduct will be. If your conduct runs ahead of wisdom, it's one of two things. If the conduct runs ahead of wisdom, it's one of two things. You pian one, or you ngingi lai, but you don't know what's going on. Pian means I show the world that I am a good person. That's all. But there is no substance in the practice. You ngingi lai means Buddha say one, two, three, four, five, six, and two to seven. I will do all two to seven. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'll just do because Buddha say must do. I will do. I'll do and do and do and do. But there's no wisdom in it. Also possible. So that's conduct running ahead of wisdom. And what will happen? First and foremost, this person is likely to end up being somewhat self-righteous. I can do all these things. You can or not. I got two to seven. Eh? You two to eight, then you beat me. You two to six, not good enough. Very self-righteous about it. Because he has no idea what he was doing. And can go very wrong. Meaning, I give mean because I don't understand, I give my own meaning to why I'm doing things. Can go very wrong. So I always say, you want to be righteous, got to understand the principle of things. And then you do it from there. The wisdom must run ahead of the conduct. And then the thing will chase up. It's, it's natural. That is wisdom, the conduct will chase up. Okay? Endowed with vision. This vision is the vision of the practitioner. Not seeing things, uh, not psychic power vision. Uh. This is the vision where when you understand anicca, impermanence, it is not just a conceptual knowledge. It is seeing impermanence in the mind. Example, one moment I'm angry, the intensity of the sensation goes up. Next moment, I am not angry. For whatever reason, it plateaued off and then it comes down, it de-escalates. If I watch it very closely, I can actually see the moment-to-moment intensifying and the moment-to-moment de-escalating. The sharper you are at seeing this, the sharper you are at seeing this, the more resolution per moment. So when you set off, it's just like that, up, down. But if you keep observing the sensation, you realize that the sensation actually feels like uh, dots, for instance. Dots, sensations. Something very practical. You all sit, Tonight, don't move your leg, okay? Just sit like that. At some point, your leg goes numb, for sure, okay? The moment when it goes numb, you can either see it as one lump numb, or if you watch very closely, you start to actually see pins and needles. When you watch it very closely, you start to observe the pins and needles, okay? And if you look at the pins and needles very closely, you realise that between the sensations, there's a blank point. 
Yes? That's resolution. That's a vision on a physical sensation, a vision of a physical sensation. And that is the increasing sharpness of resolution. The sharper you are, the more things you can see from just your leg, one lump, numb. Okay? And the same, the same experience, you can have the exact same experience of the mind, of feelings, of your emotions, of the pain, the emotional pain. The same sensation. You can see as one lump of grief, so heavy you kind of fall backward and get crushed by the weight of the grief. Or you can see the grief as a series of ups and down feelings. One after another, series of them. And when you see it as a series, and you look at the grief very closely, you may find that each little puzzle of ups and downs are feeling like little dots. They come and they go very fast. Sensations, sensations very fast. And when you feel it that way, if you see it to that kind of resolution, then it's easy not to be so caught up with feelings. You get caught up with the pink panther. You don't get caught up with the little strokes and the resolution and the dots. You, you see what I'm saying? You get caught up with a big picture. Mona Lisa presented to you in a full page thing. Nice. Okay, but Mona Lisa not very nice. So you're going to... I prefer landscape. Because landscape painting, oh, very nice. San Shui, okay. But if you look very close, right? All you see is just the dots. How to be very caught up with the dots? <laughs> Round dots Long dots You see what I'm saying? So it's in the same way You think of yourself watching television, right? You're watching television If you go really, really, really close All you see is just dots You go blind, but you see dots It's only when you go very far away That you, oh I like this show you know, I like this person but if you go very close, right? All you see is just dots. Blackheads lah. High resolution these days, ma. H super HD. So this thing about endowing endowed with vision has to do with you seeing literally with clarity the Dhamma concepts. Dhamma are no longer the all the Dhamma concepts are no longer just thoughts and understanding of just words, words that you understand. These become experience that you can see in the same way that you can see how your leg cramp could be a whole mess of sensation or a series of running, changing sensations. And you can see it if you cannot see it, my advice to you is don't move. You don't move until your leg goes to sleep. Okay? <laughs> also watch how your mind construct. Mind made are they. When I first started out, when I first started out meditation, okay, of course my leg went to sleep very fast. 
I had vision of legs dropping off. <laughs> Die, man. I know why the pain is there. Because the, the artery got cut off. So it's not flowing, you know, it's not flowing. And if it's not flowing, at some point the leg will drop off. And this is a bad idea. Then I shifted, lor. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I agree, man. I agree. So the point, the point is that these sensations of the form you can see. The sensations of the mind, also you can see. But one is easier than the other. The form is easier to see, which is why when you go on your meditation retreat, they kept telling you don't move because they really want you to look at the series of anicca sensations in the form because it's easiest for you to see. But instead, we think that they're torturing us. La. These evil fellas just wanting you to feel pain, you know, pain. You can bear pain. The more you can bear pain, the better you are as a practitioner. No, la. no I just want you to see, see. You see already, you can move wherever you want. Okay? To see two things, huh? by the way, if you go for meditation retreat and, and you're asked to bear the pain, right? It's actually to see two things. One is to see the nature of change in the form. Because you have to see see for yourself change that's one the second one is to see how the mind doesn't want doesn't want crave to be free of the pain so the mind craving to be free of the pain is dukkha the mind's craving is dukkha emotional pain it's for you to see the first noble truth and the second noble truth together then the point when you realize that actually if you are able to just let the pain be you feel better feel a bit better the third noble truth you see so in the meditation retreat if you get to a point when you see the pain the holding on is painful the one thing is painful the part where you say it's okay they're not so painful anymore that the relief when you see that oh congratulations this sitting has been successful Somewhat. There are many things to see, like many other things to see. Okay? If, if you're able to let go, give up, and so on and so forth, and you reach a point where you remove desire for sensual pleasure. This is not anagami, by the way. This, this chat. Metta meditation, what the Buddha is implying here is that if you do the metta meditation correctly and well, you can get to anagami. You let go of views, don't hold on to things. You're no longer caught up with sensual delights. You let the sensual delights go. One comes never again to birth in the womb. Be anagami. Okay? So that's your Karaniya Mita uh, Sutta.